Turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. I've been really encouraged here this morning through the songs, through the Sunday school. One of the uh, uh, verses in our Sunday school lesson was that what was written in the Old Testament was written for our learning. And Jesus is uh, all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, I would have loved to have been on the Emmaus Road the day that Jesus opened up the scriptures to those two men and explained everything in the the law and the prophets concerning himself. I don't know if he would have touched on the book of Ruth, but I think he probably would have. And I think he may have talked about the character of Boaz. Usually when I think of the book of Ruth, we think about Ruth and we think about here in chapter 1 her great testimony where she confessed faith in God and commitment that she was going to follow him to her death. But I I wonder if Jesus might have not mentioned Boaz. And uh, he's the main one we're going to think about in in our little survey this morning on the book of Luke. We're going to think about Boaz. And the text verse is actually in chapter 2 of Ruth. Uh, It's a blessing in verse 20. Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Or in the NIV it says, one of our kinsmen redeemers. So the, the title of this message this morning is Our Redeemer, or Our Kinsman Redeemer. And in, in, the, in the person of Boaz, we have a picture of Jesus as our Redeemer. So I hope as we go through this, we can be encouraged in our relationship with Jesus. And as we think about the great love that he had for us. And the way he went out of his way to die for us. To rise from the dead in the ship. To shine that light in our hearts. So we're going to first look at the chapter 1, the need for a Redeemer. Chapter 1 of Ruth is a very sad chapter. There's a lot of famine and tragedy and funerals. I was just thinking about during our prayer time, you know, all the people that are sick, and we didn't mention them all. There's some people not, not here today, probably because they're sick. There's a funeral tomorrow. There's people in the hospital. Well, chapter 1 of, of Ruth is uh, full of sadness. So it it pictures the need for a redeemer in in this story. And then we go to the requirements of a redeemer. And then finally we'll touch a bit on the blessings from the redeemer. So Ruth chapter 1, we start out with uh, the first verse which gives us the time. And it also gives us the place. The time was during the time of the judges. It was a very dark time. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king. Uh, Joshua had died. Moses led the children of Israel, and then Joshua took over. But it was was really a really dark and sad time. But this this book and this story is such a bright uh, picture of people who loved the Lord and who served the Lord during dark times. And the place was... Well, it starts in Bethlehem, in Judea, near Jerusalem. Bethlehem, I think of as a place where a baby was born. And actually, the end of 
Ruth ends with a baby being born at Bethlehem. The servant, his name was Obed, which means the servant. And there was also a field in this book. Near, there's fields near Bethlehem. There's a field of Boaz. There's also the shepherd's field, which maybe is one and the same. Or some, some of what I was reading was that maybe they were adjacent fields. There were fields that looked toward this, this little village of Bethlehem. So the times during the judges, the place starts out at Bethlehem, and at the end of, of Ruth ends back at Bethlehem. In between, though, there is a 10-year a journey to Moab and then back to Bethlehem later. So, so there's the time, there's the place, and there is the decision that uh, Abimelech and Naomi made to uh, leave. But... Let's read the story. Ruth chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now, Warren uh, Wearsby, the Bible teacher, entitled this chapter one, You Can't Run Away. And we don't really know what all went into the decision to leave Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. But during this time, it certainly wasn't a, a house of bread because there was a famine. And... Because of the famine, uh, this family made the decision that they were going to go across the Jordan River to Moab, which wasn't a good place to go. Now, many, many Bible students think that this was a very bad and a wrong decision. Maybe it was. The scripture doesn't exactly say. But one thing sure, uh, we can't ever run away from God. I remember my grandfather talking about somebody who was moving, and it must have been a, I don't even know who it was, but it must have been some colorful sort of person who was moving or, or in the habit of moving. And my grandfather said, well, one thing for sure, wherever he goes, he will take himself along. And that's certainly been true in all the moves we've made. Wherever we've went, we've taken ourselves along. About two years ago, we were going through this uh, discernment process about moving here. And it took a number of months of prayer and I was talking to my pastor, Brother Steve Good, he's a very wise man, and he in a very nice way asked me, he said, now there isn't something that you're trying to run away from, is there? That was a very good question and I, I deeply appreciate it. And I thought about it, not just then, but uh, in, the, in the days and weeks afterwards, because sometimes we, we want to move for less than the best reasons. Now, I think to Lama and Amy, you're going to Nigeria for good reasons. And it's, it probably doesn't look like an easy road, 
but it's the right road because God's leading you in it. So I'm, I'm not sure if uh, Elimelech and Naomi did a lot of praying about this. The story doesn't really say. But for reasons of famine, they moved away from the house of bread, from Bethlehem to Moab, with the hope that they would survive. Well, instead of surviving, they exchanged a famine for three funerals, which for, for Naomi, she, she went to three funerals. It was just terribly sad. I get the sense from these verses we just read that her husband died pretty soon after they got there. And then the boys grew up. Maybe they were only partly grown at that time. And she helped them find wives of the women of Moab, which in the history of Israel, that was always a bad decision because the people of Moab were very much uh, idol worshipers. They, they were... Uh, distant relatives of the Israelites, but they, they did not have a track record of, of serving God. There, there's just almost nothing good you can read about Moab uh, in, in, the, in the Old Testament. But that's where they found themselves, and that's where the boys got their wives, and then the boys both died. And so what was left was three widows at the end of verse 5. Let's read on, verse 6. Then she, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. This is back at Bethlehem. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And then Naomi several times asked the uh, her daughter-in-laws, to go back to Moab. And after uh, several, three times, I believe it was, of saying return, Orpah turned around to go back. But Naomi was left with Ruth. Verse 11, Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Turn again. Would you... Okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Would you tarry if I could have sons? That's verse 13. Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, and this was a great testimony of commitment, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Whither thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. What an amazing example of faith and commitment that Ruth had. So they went on. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Naomi meant pleasant but call me Mara, or bitter. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, 
and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and that and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. So if Ruth is an example of faith and commitment, uh, Naomi is an example, perhaps, of bitterness. Now, it's not wrong and it's not sin to be disappointed. We've all had lots of disappointments. I think to a point it's not wrong to doubt as long as that doubt doesn't go into unbelief. We need to take our doubts to God, and we need to take our disappointments to God. But if disappointment moves to bitterness or doubt turns to unbelief, then we're in the area of sin. And I think Naomi allowed these disappointments to move her to bitterness. Well, that's her testimony, isn't it? I'm not pleasant. I'm not happy. I'm bitter. God has been mean to me. God has been unfair to me. God's hands against me. And so she, I believe, was, as we can do, we can misunderstand God. And we can realize, or we can think that God is not a good God, not a loving God, but he's against us. When the fact is, God is for us. And we read on in the story, uh, God cared about these women. And he had a redeemer just waiting for them right there at that time in the barley harvest. And that's chapter 2, and it's, it's quite exciting. I read a little more from uh, Warren Wearsby. He, he wrote a number of books. Uh, the one he wrote on, on Ruth and Esther is called Be Committed. And he talked about this thing of bitterness and how Naomi, she went from famine to food, but then to the funerals. She went from full to empty. She went from pleasant to bitter. And, and Warren Wearsby says we have three options that we have with our, our troubles, our disappointments. We can endure them, we can escape them, or we can enlist them. I like that. He said when we endure them, just kind of grit our teeth and we got to deal with this again today. We just got to, there's a real potential to become hard and bitter. Escaping them is the running from them, and people try running from their problems all kinds of ways. And when we try to escape them, we miss the purpose that God has in, in, the, in our troubles. He has, he has a plan. He has a purpose. We may not always know what those purposes are. But the, the right response to our problems, even though we are needing to endure them, and at times we do things to try to escape them, we should, he said, enlist them. Have them work as our servant for us rather than driving us as if they're our master. With God's help, turn our problems into our servants and watch God work in our lives to bring good even in the midst of these problems. Now that's easy to talk about on a Sunday morning. It's a lot harder to do, but with the Holy Spirit's help, I believe we can, we can do that. And Ruth certainly is an example of doing that. She chose to take what probably looked humanly to be the harder path to go to a place where she knew no one at all I don't know if you've ever moved somewhere where you knew no one at all now she didn't know her mother-in-law and she had her with her Diane and I moved to Birmingham 1987 
And we knew very little people there. We didn't know each other, and we were glad to have each other go. And we, 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 we believed the Lord was leading us, but we didn't know where we would go to church. We didn't know who our friends would be. We moved there for school. And it was a little scary, but it was also exciting, and it was a blessing. And God had so many blessings ahead of us there those four years in Birmingham, just like he did for Ruth here. She moved into the unknown. She didn't know who would be there. She didn't know what would happen, but she knew she was going to follow God. She was going to follow God's leading. So let's get uh, from this sad chapter. Two widows, hungry, penniless, and alone. They needed help. They needed hope. They needed a redeemer. They needed grace. They needed God. And that's where we get to chapter 2. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth. We're now on to the requirements of a redeemer. A redeemer was someone, there's a number of requirements, but there's at least three we're going to highlight. A redeemer in the Hebrew culture, and I don't understand the culture real well, but it was someone who could purchase back property that was mortgaged or that was lost. It was a, a, he had to be rich enough. The redeemer had to be rich. He had to be able to purchase property. He also had to be related, and that's where this term near kinsman come from. He had to be a close relative. And thirdly, as we'll find out later in the book, he also had to be ready. He had to be willing. So he had to be rich, he had to be related, and he had to be ready. Well, verse 1, here we see he meets the first qualification pretty quickly. Chapter 2, verse 1. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And I'm going to read from the NIV here uh, through this story of chapter 2. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone, behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said unto her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, which was from the clan of Elimelech. Well, that just happened, didn't it? In the King James, it says it, ha it happened. Or was there divine providence behind this? You know, it's really exciting as a Christian to realize that things don't just happen to us. God has a plan. Verse 4, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman said, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. 
May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to trust. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and I and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah, maybe 20 liters is what I read in one of the Bible dictionaries. She carried it back to the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over from her lunch. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. And here's our text verse. The Lord bless him, Neoma said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now, kinsman redeemer, the Hebrew word is gaal, and it means one who has the right to redeem. The English dictionary says redeem means to buy back, to get back, to recover, as by paying a fee, to pay off a mortgage or a note. Now, I think what happened in the first chapter that isn't written down is that there must have been some land in the family that was mortgaged or sold to pay for food. Anyway, it was lost. And in, the, in those times, as in many agrarian societies, it's so important that you have some land to raise your food and to survive. And so it was just of God's providence that she happened to work in the field of Boaz, who was a redeemer, and he was closely related to Elimelech, he was able to purchase back that land that uh, Elimelech had in his family and was now lost. Well, this fellow Boaz is such a wonderful example of Jesus who was willing to come from heaven to purchase us, to purchase our souls and to redeem us and to redeem all our difficult situations. Because not only our souls are messed up by sin, but our relationships, our attitudes, our emotions. There's just so much in our lives that need redeeming. And Jesus is able to do it all. I just love the uh, favor and the grace. The word favor and the word grace is used here in, in what I just read in chapter 2. Where uh, uh, Ruth says to Boaz... I found grace. I don't understand this. I found grace or favor in your eyes. And what, why, why should I receive such favor? Just think about the favor. I was looking at, at the story. Boaz basically favored her with a welcome. 
That was like the first thing he said. You're welcome to stay here. In fact, I want you to stay here. He favored her with acceptance. He favored her, this is in verse 9. He favored her with protection. It was a very dangerous time for a young woman who was from Moab to be in Israel. Because most of, the peop most of the people in Israel were not godly. Boaz, I think, was a very exceptional man. He was not only rich in, in land and money, he was rich in faith. Did you notice how he greeted his, his workers with a greeting of blessing and praise the Lord? He was rich in faith and he was rich in righteousness. So he said, you're welcome here. You're accepted here. You will be protected here. You can get refreshments here. And isn't this a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us? He welcomes us. He forgives us. He gives us bread. He gives us lunch. He gives us water. I was just reading.